Well, morning, everyone. Um, it's a great privilege always to be able to share God's word with you. And uh, if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, we kicked off a new series called Closer. We're into week three. Next week, we'll wrap it up. Hilt is coming back. The first two weeks have been absolutely brilliant. Bonnie, thank you for your message last week. Um, really eye-opening. And um, we're going to be looking a little today at the concept um, or the topic of turning our worry into worship turning our worry into worship. And as early as I can remember, I've struggled with fear, worry, anxiety. I'm seeing Francine in the front row. She uh, has known this as they've kind of passed it and mentored me on our uh, first year of uh, getting married. You drew a little thing, turn your worry into being a warrior. So worry, worry. Um, but as early as I can remember, I, I would struggle with fear or worry. Um, I, you know, when I was maybe kind of five, six, seven years old, if my parents came home or didn't come home, so like two or three minutes late, like I had already started to like, you know, they had been in a car accident, I had prepared the funeral, I would actually given the speech at the funeral, and then as a seven-year-old decided how I was going to look after my five-year-old brother, I was going to have to work a couple of hours in the evening while I attended school in the morning, and like, um, and this all happened within three minutes of my parents being late, and I can't exactly say where this fear or worry came from, but it, it has been something, fast track to me being an adult, that I still have to work through. I still have to try and navigate. I, 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 like, I mean, some of it is so irrational and unfactual and unsubstantiated, um, but, but I can feel um, that it's something that I have to kind of warfare over. I mean, I won't go into a, a bathroom stall if there's not a, an alternative exit. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a, if there's not a window or a way to jump over, or no ways am I taking that risk and getting into a stall. Worry is something that I've always struggled with. And I remember my, my parents um, would try and help me in many ways. And one of them uh, was that I, they would like play a soundtrack at night all the time. I don't know if any of you remember this song uh, from being a little kid, but I would always listen to, I'm a big brave mouse. I go marching through the house and I'm not afraid of anything. Anybody? Anybody? Um, so still, to this day, my kids are like, what are you singing? I'm like, I'm still singing as a grown adult. I'm a big, brave mouse. I go marching through the house. Like, what are you afraid of? I'm like, uh, parenting. <laughs> Raising you guys. Don't know how to do it. Um, but, but I've had to navigate this idea of, of, of fear and worry. And fear and worry is being like served on a platter to us. It's everywhere. Everywhere you look. Um, it's being served up to us on social media, in the news. You know this, right? Two things sell news, sex and fear. Look at almost any article, any bit of news that it's, it's kind of the, the, the baseline is fear or sex. <clears throat> and for, for us in KZN, um, it's only heightened because of some of the stuff that we've gone through. It feels like, don't you feel like sometimes you're on high alert? Like your body's just like ready for like some kind of news to go down. You're like, is it, you know, is it looting? No, it's not looting. Okay. Is it um, level three lockdown? No, it's not. Oh no, it's just level 3000 load, load shedding. Um, but like, you, you, you just feel like in, in KZN, every conversation is, is speaking about, not every conversation, but a lot of the conversation, a lot of the social media, a lot of the news is serving up this fear narrative. 
this anxiety narrative, this worry narrative. You know, they, they've done research and they reckon the average person, although they're saying that millennials is even higher, they say the average person worries for about 12 hours a week. Do you know that that equals up to between four and six years of an average person's life? How mental is that? Think, just take a moment to think about that. You will spend, if you worry, you and I will spend up to four years worrying when we know the scriptures say that it can't add a single hour to our lives. You will be robbed of four years of your life spending time worrying about something that mostly, so, so the amount of times I worried about my parents and dying in a car accident and the funeral and having to look, the amount of times that, that never happened. And yet I spent many times with that narrative on repeat in my head. And Jesus um, speaks in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read from verse 24 to 34 today. Um, but he addresses this idea of worry. And he addresses it because it breaks his heart. He addresses it because he sees the ramifications of you and our worrying. He sees the robbery of us worrying. And so we're going to jump around in this Matthew 6 verse. But basically this entire passage is labeled or framed as do not worry. And it says this in Matthew chapter 6 verse 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Do not worry about what you'll wear, what you'll eat, what you'll drink. Now, in, in times in the past, perhaps just because I, I didn't understand the context or perhaps didn't understand the heart of God, I would read that as a pretty accusational statement from God. Like, don't worry about the trivial things. Don't worry about the things. Come on, that's what pagans do. Stop worrying about your food. Stop worrying about where you're going to find clothes. Stop worrying about how you're going to pay those. That's not what God's saying at all in the passage. God goes, um, he, he says, I, I know you need these things. As your dad, I, I know you need these things. Pagans... People who don't yet believe in God, people who don't yet know that there's a Father in heaven who loves you and will provide those needs, they have to worry about them. They have to hustle because the they are their only provider. They have to make a plan. They have to figure out where their food's coming from and where they're going to pay the bills and how they're going to put their kids through school. They, they are their only source of provision. They have to hustle. But you have a Father in heaven who already knows these needs and who takes great care and concern about those needs. The things that perhaps keep you up at night are the things that are on God's heart. And he says, I'll take care of them for you. So God is not having this, you should. You know, some of us are like, we worry, and then we, we read the scripture. So we, we worry about what we should wear and what we should eat and where we're gonna pay that next bill and how we're gonna make ends meet and worry about all those things. And then we read the passage that pagans worry about it and then we worry because we're like a pagan. So we're like worrying twice. It's like, sure, but God hates me because I'm like a pagan worrying about these things, but I am actually worried about these things. And then I'm worried about the worrying that I'm worrying about. God's like, you're missing the whole heart behind this thing. God's not saying, don't worry, as in, you mustn't worry. What he's saying is, you don't need to worry. You don't need to worry. Your Father in heaven, who knows, 
who cares and who is concerned about your needs knows these things. You know, for many of us, we have an anti-worry equation that we live by. The anti-worry equation goes something like this. A good job plus a nice partner plus no plane plus no problems plus an annual vacay, no worries. That's, it's like, I'm just so stressed. I'm just, there's so much going on. There's so, I'm so I just need a vacation. We'll look and go like, okay, look, let's look at this equation. I need, a, I need to figure some things out. I, where am I lacking? I, okay, when I get a spouse, when I get a part, when I find the right wife, when I get that promotion, when I go on that next vacation, that's going to quell the, the worries and the fears and the anxiety that I have. But friends, I want to tell you that this dysfunction, this discontentment, the worry that you feel, it's not a need issue, it's an order issue. It's not a need issue. It can't be fixed by adding something else you need. Most of us, I'll worry less, I'll stress less when I add something, a need. But it's not a need issue, it's an order issue. Matthew chapter six, verse 31 sets the platform. It says, you know, don't worry about this, don't worry about the food, the drink, the clothes, the roof, don't worry about any of those things. Pagans do that because they have to, you don't have to, because I love you, I care about you, I'm concerned about you, and I know what you need. But then verse 33, a very famous verse, says this next. Matthew chapter six, verse 33, it says, but, but, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. But seek first, see, it, our equation is add more things. Where do I lack? I need to add, God says it's not a need issue, it's an order issue. God's not saying you can't have the food, the drink, the clothes, the roof. He's saying, but you need to make sure there's a divine order to the way that you do your life. Seek first the things of God and His righteousness, your identity in Christ. Seek those things first and all the other things will be added unto you. It's a divine order issue. That's why we've labeled this particular talk, Turn Your Worry Into Worship, because as we've spoken about throughout this series, whatever comes first in your life is what you worship. So God's, remember, Vonnie shared so well and helped the week before, worship is not so much about what you sing or the service that you arrive to or your attendance. It's your adoration, your, your attention, your affection, your time, your resource, your value, your energy. So what you put first is what you worship. So if we want to stop worrying we gotta make sure that we seek God first in our lives and all the other things that we're worried about will find their place in the right order. Divine order is what God is after. So friend, if you put money before God, you will worship money. If you put your marriage before God, you will worship your marriage. If you put your kids before God, you will worship your kids. If you put your identity, your ego, your pride, your image before God, you will worship those things. And God is going hard after being first in your life. Because when he's first, all other things. So the devil will be very tactful, making sure all other things 
Try and play first place in your life. And God's going, it's not about adding any extra needs. It's a divine order that I'm after. So let me push this principle of first for a moment so that we get it. You may know the story of Cain and Abel. They are Adam and Eve's sons. And in this particular account, God's asked them to bring an offering. And it, we'll pick up the story, it says this. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground of, uh, to the Lord. So he was obviously a farmer, had his veggies and his whatever. Abel also brought of the firstborn, I've underlined that, of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel, and listen, and his offering. And he did not respect Cain and his offering. God did not respect Cain and his offering because he bought some of the fruit of the land. Abel brought the firstborn. There's something, friend, about bringing your first to God that brings the respect of God, that brings the right relationship between you and God. And, and, and it's paramount that you and I have the right relationship with God. I'll give you an example. If I was a teacher and there was a pupil, they would call me Mr. Edmonds. That would be appropriate for the relationship. Even though my name is Colin, and even though others may call me Colin, in that relationship and in that context, I'm Mr. Edmonds. So if they were to walk in and go, hey, Cole, I'd be like, my bud, whatever, detent. Because they've got to have the right relationship. God is after the right relationship between you and him. Yes, he's your father. Yes, he's your friend. But he's also your Lord and master. And therefore, respect is required from us to God. He can't force us to respect him. But how we respect him is by making sure that the first of our lives goes to God. It's the way that we worship him. In Romans, in the New Testament, because that's the Old Testament. I know sometimes people want to go Old Testament, New Testament. Let's go to the New Testament. Romans says it like this. It says, if the first part of the dough is holy, the whole batch is. If the root is holy, so are the branches. God is after your first. Because there's blessing over the rest. There's protection over the rest. There's holiness over the rest, let me make that practical for you. In my life, the first part of my day goes to Jesus. For many, many, many years, I used this excuse that I'm not a morning person, I'll read my Bible at night. Now I did read my Bible at night. And I'm sure God graciously kind towards me. But there's a revelation now in my heart that if the first part of my day is holy, then the rest of my day is holy. And so, suck it up, princess, that you're not a morning person. Read your Bible. <laughs> Who cares that I'm not a morning person? Let me tell you, if the, if the root is holy, if the first part of the batch is holy, the rest is holy. I'll tell you what else is important for us. On a Sunday, we go to church. I'm speaking to the converted. We don't decide every Sunday. Okay, we work here, so we don't really have a decision, but contextually, don't decide whether you're going to church on a Sunday. I go to church on a Sunday because it's the first day of my week. The, the, 
The enemy in the system of the world is trying to make Sunday the last day. It's your chill day, it's your beach day, it's your rest day, it's your recovery day. No friend, it's your house of the Lord day. It's the first day of the week. I serve God and I go to church. If I'm in, if I'm in the area, I'm in the house. I'm not making a decision every Sunday. If you're not around in the morning, you go to church in the evening. I know, I'm just tired and there's a week. I, the first part of my week is going to be holy. The rest of my week is holy. Friends, when it comes to my finances, it's a no-brainer for me. I know the tithe is contentious and whatever. It's a no-brainer for me. The first part, tithe, 10%, the first part goes to God because if the first part goes to God, the rest is holy. I'll just be, and I say this with all the kindness in the world because I'd love you to tithe. If you're not tithing, for me, you're crazy. I'll tell you why. Because my 100% unholy, untouched by God, will never get as far as my 90% that is holy. I never want to take that risk. I'm completely confident that even if I don't have enough in the 90%, he does. But you're stumped if your 100% doesn't have enough. I just, I, I just got a simple thing. Make the root holy. Make the first part holy. And watch what God does with the rest of my stuff. When it, when it comes to the first counsel, I don't go to people first. I can go second and third and fourth, but when I'm trying to hear God for my future and the plans, you know who I go to first? I go to the counselor. I go to the Holy Spirit. I go to the one who's asked me to bring my plans to him first, to submit my ways to him first. And then the counsel of my family and friends and pastors will confirm what the Holy Spirit's already told me when I've gone to him first. When it comes to our health, I can go to a doctor and I can go to the medicine cabinet, but I can't go there first. I'm gonna go to God first. I'm gonna seek God first. I'm gonna make God first in everything that I do and when I do that, the rest is holy. God is making an absolute clear statement that your worry is not about needs, it's about divine order. Matthew 6.33 then goes on to say, so it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and they'll come up on the screen, all these other things. That's all the things you're concerned about. God is not saying, stop it, stop being trivial. He's like, no, all these other things will be added unto you. All these other things will be added unto you. When order is restored, blessing is released. God can bless you so much better than you can bless yourself. Some of you are trying to be your own blesser. Stop. He can bless, some of you, we'll talk about it in a moment, some of you are so worried that he won't bless you that you're trying to figure out a plan how to bless yourself. Do you know, do you know that when you get the order right, you can have these things, but they won't have you. When you get the order right, you can have all these things. We, we, we're so worried God's gonna like withhold all these things. So we're like, no, no, I need all these things. But then they have you as much as you have them. But God will give you these things, these blessings, and it comes without sorrow. That's what the scriptures say. 
Can I just push you here for a second? The reason that some of you can't make God first is because you're first. Our kids bath together every night. Somebody help me, please. I'm happy. I'll, I'll take a prayer tunnel. Like, just let me know. I'll take every night. Doesn't matter what conversation I've had with them. Every night, jump up and scream, I'm getting out the bath first. And then the other one tries to get in front of them and in front of them and in front of them. And eventually, like, I t- now I'm just like, whoever asks to go first, I'm chucking them at the back of the line. I'm telling you, friends, that many of us have taken up that position. I'm first. God goes, well, all right. So long as this life is about you, your plans, your ego, your pride, your way of doing things, you can't even trust your way of doing things, friends. God says that his thoughts are far superior, far higher than us. So even you trying to work it out is you putting yourself first. Just go, God, I just trust you. I'm going to walk in obedience to you. I'm going to put you first in my life. So we've read Matthew 6, verse 31, 32, 33. Let's just jump a little higher in the verse because the whole, the passage is 10 verses and read verse 25. It says this, it's almost an identical verse to verse 31, okay? So in the beginning and the end of the passage and the end of the passage ends in, if you worry, you mustn't, but seek first the kingdom of God. That's how it ends. The top of this chapter or this passage reads like this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink or about your body or what you will wear. So the end of the verse ends with, but seek first. The beginning of the passage starts with therefore. I'd like to suggest that there's a worry recipe sandwich that God is very clearly trying to place here. But seek First, the kingdom is at the bottom. Therefore, is at the top. So therefore, we need to read the verse before that's just happened. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. And it says this. No one can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted, worship, will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and wealth or money or mammon, whatever word you want to put in there. Now, it doesn't have to be limited to money, it can be your ego, it can be your identity, it can be whatever it is, your plans, your cars, your wife, your kids, whatever. But God is making clear, you can't have two masters. So as long as there's something else that has mastery over you, you're a slave to it. And the master who should be seated on the throne is no longer seated on the throne. There's only one throne, friends. It belongs to Jesus. And as long as you sit on it, your wife sits on it, your house sits on it, your plans sit on it, your ego sits on it, God will graciously step aside. He wants to sit on the throne. He should sit on the throne, but he will not force himself onto the throne. Only you can make him the master. So, could the remedy to your worry be making him master and seeking him first? I wonder... I truly wonder. In fact, I don't wonder. I know this to be true in my life, that I worry far less when he's the master and I seek him first. Imagine, imagine you eliminate 
four years worth of worry from your life simply by choosing today that he's the master and you will seek him first. Every time worry tries to get into your hearts, your minds, your lives, he's the master and you'll seek him first. That's the way that we're able to turn worry into worship. So, the verse reads, therefore I tell you, now we know what the therefore is for, do not worry about your life and what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet their heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Good question. Good question. Because for many people, our value has been devalued by what we've tried to place our value in. And so the answer to this question for many of us is, where is your value? How much do you value yourself? See, if you and I don't understand where our value comes from, we'll put our value in performance in people. What do they think about me? Am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? Do they like me? Do they want me? Do you think I can get them? Do you think I can get that job? Do you think I got enough? How well did I do? I didn't do well enough. I need to do better tomorrow. Can you see how that worry will just over and over and over and over and over? But when you start to understand, friends, and have a revelation, and this revelation only comes by seeking first and being in the presence of God. When you understand that your value is that you are a son of God, that you are a child of God. This cannot just be a song we sing. Our friends am a child of the most high God. The king is my dad. Heaven and its bounty is available for me. Do you know your value? Because until you get that revelation, that is not performance, that is not people that determine your value, that it's the king of kings, that it's the great I am. Do you know not one day, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating to you, not one day, not ever, I don't even think it's crossed their minds, have my kids ever wondered where their next meal is coming from? Never. They've never sat me down and said, Dad, it's getting to the end of the month and cupboard's running a little dry and I'm just thinking, do you need me to get out and hustle? <laughs> Not once have my kids worried about how we're paying the bills. Do you know why? That's my job. I'm their dad. They are absolutely sure that they are my son and daughter. They are convinced that I will take care of them. Where is your value, friends? In your hustle, in your performance, in your ability, or in the fact that I am a son and a daughter of the Most High God. Therefore, I don't need to worry like the pagans. I don't need to hustle. Are you not more valuable than these. You are sons, not slaves, or servants, or strangers. You are family, not foreigners. The verse then goes on, 
And it says, and can you, and can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Well, some of us can have four years robbed from our lives, but we cannot add a single hour. And when the Bible speaks about the devil coming to rob, kill, and destroy, there are many ways he does that. But isn't it insane to think that we give him four years of our life? Because that's the enemy. That's his narrative. That's his soundtrack. That's him on repeat. And we're just bowing all the time. So that fear, that anxiety, that worry. I said it earlier, 12 hours a week, four years of your life, worry, anxiety, fear on repeat. And you know this, that worry that's on the inside of you, do you know how toxic that chemical is for your body? It, guys, it's like me putting a drip into you for four years of toxins and bad chemicals. None of you would subscribe to that even for four minutes. The, the reasons that our bodies are decaying and our minds and sickness and, is because we're bowing to the drumbeat of fear and worry and anxiety. What do they say? What's going to happen? Is it going to work out? Am I enough? Can I do it? God says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Pagans. Run after that stuff. You need to. Your value is in me. Can anybody even add an hour to their lives? Do you know that verse 34 says it like this? This is the last of the verses. It says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Notice something very interesting here. It says tomorrow's got worries, and there's enough worries anyways in tomorrow, so don't worry about tomorrow. But then it says today has trouble. Now, that's not very encouraging from God. <laughs> You're like, okay, I thought I was not going to worry and then there's no trouble. No, there's enough grace for your trouble for today. See, it didn't say there's worry today. It says there's trouble today. Make no mistake, friends. I'm not professing some remedy that is a trouble-free life. I'm professing a remedy that is an incessant worry-free life. It, you will have trouble today. But there's grace. There's grace for today. The, de the devil knows that. The devil knows that there's enough grace for today, so he gets you living worried in tomorrow. You're aware that the devil doesn't know what tomorrow holds, eh? He doesn't know. He does not know the future. God knows the future. He does not know the future. So all he can do is spin a narrative of lies that if you would eat it, it would produce fruit. See, some of your worry about tomorrow happens only because that worry became your reality because you meditated on it. Do you know that there's a great acronym for fear? It says, um, false evidence appearing real. That's all he's got. That's all the devil's got. He gets you worried about tomorrow with false evidence appearing real. Now, I don't know about you, you can subscribe to that and lose four years. Or, or you and I can start to seek first the kingdom of God. You and I can choose who's going to be the master. You and I can choose a narrative that goes, I don't have to hustle because I know my value.
I know who I am. I know whose I am. False evidence appearing real. So, as we wrap this up, we need to turn our worry into worship. And when we make him the master, and when we seek him first, and, and when we get into his presence. Now, I know we've been saying throughout this series, like, worship is not just singing, but it is also singing. Let me just say that. Because it's, it's a lot of your attention and your adoration and your affection. But all jokes aside, I do sing. I'm a brave, brave mouse. I go marching through the house. But I sing a lot more. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Or whatever the song is. Because for me, when worry tries to find its way into my heart, I know that the moment I lift up the praises of my master, the moment I seek his presence, the moment I make him first, the moment I get off the throne if I'm on it, the moment I do that, that the scriptures are clear, friend, that my God inhabits the praises of his people. And so I can sit and worry or I can worship. And when my God inhabits the praises of his people, then the, I see that in his presence is fullness of joy. Not, not in my vacation, not in my wife, not in my bank account. I don't find joy there. I find joy in the presence of God. You know what the joy of the Lord does? The joy of the Lord is my strength. So now I get into His presence and in His presence there's joy and I walk out of His presence with my shoulders back, my head up because there's strength that I found in the presence of God. You know what else I find in the presence of God? Where the presence of God is, where the Spirit of God is, there's liberty, there's freedom. Every bit of worry and anxiety, what they think, am I enough? Is it gonna work? Do I have what it takes? Is broken off my life in the presence of God. I walk out free, free of people's opinions, free of my lack when I think about my bank account. I'm in the presence. Do you know, we end up praying for many things when it comes to worry, anxiety, fear. We end up praying for peace, for joy, for love, for patience. Do you know Galatians speaks and says those are a fruit of the Spirit? In other words, friends, it's a byproduct of being in the presence of God. I'm not saying you can't pray for them. I'm just saying you don't even need to pray for them. All you need to do is seek first the kingdom of God and the fruit of the Holy Spirit will be in your life. You know what's interesting about this Matthew chapter 6, verse 33? It says, but seek first the kingdom. This word seek has multiple words connected to it, like look, desire, go after. But in one of the translations, it had this definition. It said, come 
to a binding conclusion. So when you seek first the kingdom of God, you are to come to a binding conclusion that this is the way you will live your life. Meaning, friends, I'm not choosing and re-choosing whether I tithe. I've chosen. I've come to a binding conclusion that as for me and my house, as for me and my household, we will find ourselves, for me and my family, we will find ourselves in the house of God. That's a decision. I've come to a binding conclusion that I will do things God's way even when it hurts. Even when every other business person and business deal is looking shady and trying to take shortcuts, I will walk in integrity and according to God's holy laws. That is not a decision I will make in the trenches. Friend, if, you, if you're gonna make those in the trenches, you probably won't end up making the right decision. But you need to, I need to make a decision today. Seek first the kingdom of God, a binding decision once and for all. As for me, I have one master. His name is Jesus. If he says it, I do it. And I have one goal, and that is to seek first the kingdom of God. And that, friends, is how we will live a life that we turn worry into worship. Imagine how much more you and I could do with an extra four years on our lives. This plague, this robbery of the enemy that has kept you up at night, that has made your body sick, that has made your mind tired, today it's over. We spoke together as the worship team before. We're gonna take a moment right now. We're gonna sing a song and they're gonna do it way better than I just did it. We're gonna sing, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And what we're gonna do right now in this moment, we're gonna take our eyes off our worry, take our eyes off ourselves. And we're gonna abandon ourselves to the master. And I believe that you're gonna find joy and strength and liberty and freedom in the most remarkable way. We're gonna sing two or three songs and I believe you're gonna find something in the presence of God that sets you up for a life that's free from worry. So let's stand to our feet and sing.